And the third petition, which is, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray that God, by His grace, would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to His will in all things as the angels do in heaven. And I would like to read from 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-8. through 8. Would you hear now the reading of God's most holy word? Paul, writing to the churches in Thessalonica, said, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. What do we mean when we talk about God's will? God's will. You'll notice that the third petition has to do with God's will. We are praying that by grace God would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to His will in all things. So what do we mean when we talk about God's will? In fact, two things can be meant by this phrase. On the one hand, God's will can refer to that which God has planned. That which God has planned. On the other hand, God's will can mean that which God has commanded. So when we speak about the will of God, we could mean either of these things. God's will is that which He has planned, that which He has determined or decreed. Or it could mean that which He has Commanded. I wonder if you could see the difference between these two ways of talking about God's will. I, I could illustrate this to you by asking a question. What is God's will for you and me tomorrow? What is God's will for you and me tomorrow? Well, if we take God's will to mean that which God has planned, then we must admit that we do not have a clue what God's will is for us tomorrow. We do not know. When will we know what God's will is for us tomorrow if we are talking about His plan or His decree? When will we know? We'll know tomorrow. Uh, By sundown tomorrow, we'll know what His plan was for us for that day. Uh, How could we know? Only God could know. He knows the future, for He has decreed the future. I do not know, you do not know. So taken in this way, God's will concerning the future is largely mysterious to us, for for no one knows what His specific plans are. Until they happen. But if we take God's will to mean that which God has commanded, then we can, in fact, answer that question, can't we? What is God's will for you and for me tomorrow? We we can say something about that. In general, we can say that His will for you and me is that we trust Him, that we obey Him, that we live for His glory. In short, His will for us tomorrow is that we wake up in the morning and that we keep His commandments. So you can see the difference between the two ways of talking about God's will, can't you? Theologians have terms for these two ways of talking about the will of God. God's commanded will is sometimes called His prescriptive will 
or His revealed will. What is God's will for my life? Well, it is that I do what He has commanded or prescribed or revealed in His Word. So those terms might be used to talk about God's will as it pertains to what He has commanded. And God's will concerning His specific plan for our lives is sometimes called His decreed will or His hidden will. We cannot know it, but we can entrust ourselves to Him as we submit to it, can't we? And so these terms are helpful. I'd like you to allow me to read a few scripture texts to illustrate the different uses of this term, God's will. And after reading a verse, I'm going to ask you, is this an example of God's revealed will or His hidden will? So there'll be a kind of quiz as we go along. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Is this God's revealed will or is this God's hidden will? Tell me. Revealed will. Uh, how do we know? Well, it tells us. Here is God, what God wants uh, from you. Uh, here, is, here is what God wants you to do. He, he wants you to abstain from sexual immorality. He wants you to progress in sanctification. This is God's revealed will. He has, he has, he has decreed it, or He has, uh, he has commanded it. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Is this God's revealed will or His hidden will? Tell me. We would say, revealed will. This is the will of God. This is what God wants from you. This is what He has commanded, that in all circumstances that you give thanks. That's, it can be challenging for us, right, to do this, to give thanks to God in all circumstances. But this is what God has called us to do. This is the law that He has given to us. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, we find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in agony, and he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Is this a reference to God's revealed will, or his secret, hidden, and mysterious will? It's a reference to his hidden will. Jesus is here praying to the Father in his humanity, and he is saying, according to his human nature, uh, Father, I'd rather not go through this suffering. That's my desire. Nevertheless, I want your will to be accomplished, your purposes. And so here Jesus submitted himself to the Father's decree for him. One more. 1 Peter 2.15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Revealed will or hidden will? revealed will once again. God is here revealing that His will, command for us is that we do good and this is how we are to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We're to do it by doing good. This is applicable always. Maybe even especially today. Silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Not by doing evil. So then let me ask you, what is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? Will you get married, and if so, to whom? Some of you are saying, I know the answer to that. Well, yes, you know the answer to that because it's happened. Um, but others, for others, that question remains a mystery. Uh, what will you do for a living? 
Where will you live? What sorrows will you experience? What joys? How long will you live? All of these questions have to do with God's hidden will for us. We will know only after they happen. But in another sense, we know exactly what God's will is for us. We are to progress in sanctification. We're to avoid sexual immorality. We're to give thanks in every circumstance. We're to do good. In general, we are to obey God's moral law. We are to love God with all of our being, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. This is God's will for us. Now, let me ask you this follow-up question. What should we concern ourselves with? What should we concern ourselves with? Or what should we worry about, to use that terminology? What should we worry about? God's revealed will or His hidden will? What do you think? Should we concern ourselves with God's revealed will or His hidden will? What should we pour our energy into? I, I say we should devote ourselves to obeying God's revealed will while at the same time submitting ourselves to His hidden will. I guess both things take energy, don't they? Um, both things should be our concern. Uh, but this should be our approach. We should devote ourselves day after day after day to obeying God's revealed will, while at the same time submitting ourselves to His hidden will. I think this is what Jesus was teaching when He said in Matthew 6.25 and following, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Notice these are future concerns, aren't they? Nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you will allow me to take this teaching from Jesus and relate it to the issue of God's revealed and hidden will, I will say that Christ here teaches us to concern ourselves with God's revealed will. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, He says. This is what you are to devote yourself to. This is what you are to pour your, your energy into. Seeking God's kingdom. The furtherance of His kingdom, yes, but also His rule in your life. He's to be your king. You are to devote yourself uh, to that. And He commands us to not concern ourselves with issues pertaining to God's hidden will. What will we eat or drink? What will we put on? He says that's the Father's Deal. That's his business. He'll take care of that for you as you entrust yourself to him. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? I think it's a very good question. In other words, what is the point of worrying about what the future holds? It accomplishes nothing. What are we to do then with our concerns about God's hidden will? There is nothing for us to do except live with trustful submission to the Lord. That is the only thing we can do regarding God's hidden and mysterious will. Look, this is what the third petition of the Lord's Prayer is all about. What do we pray for in the third petition? In the third petition, which is, Thy will be done 
in earth as it is in heaven. We pray that God, by His grace, would enable us, would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to His will in all things as the angels do in heaven. When we pray, Thy will be done, we are saying, Lord, be gracious to us. Be gracious to us. Make us able. This is what we are saying. Make us able. In other words, give us the strength that we need. We need your strength. And make us willing also. We need to be made able and willing. In other words, change our hearts, change our appetites, change our affections so that we will what you will. Make us able, give us the power, and make us willing to obey you, right? Uh, So that we might know your will. That's what we're praying for here as well. What what is this a reference to, this word know? Um, God, by your grace, make us able and willing to know. What what, what is being referred to here? Um, It is obviously a reference to God's revealed will. In other words, we are to pray, Lord, teach us your law. Teach us your law. Make us able and willing to know your will, O Lord. And furthermore, make us able and willing to obey your will. Again, this must be a reference to God's revealed will, for only His revealed will, that is to say His law, can be obeyed. We cannot obey God's secret and hidden will, can we? It it just happens. We cannot obey it, but we can obey God's revealed will. And I want you to notice here the distinction that is made between knowing and obeying. It is one thing to know God's word, it is another thing to obey it, isn't it? Can you know God's law and fail to obey it? You say, yes, people do that all of the time. We do that all the time. But can you obey God's law if you don't know it? We, we must say no. In order to obey God's law, we must know what it says. So in this third petition of the Lord's Prayer, we are being instructed to pray that God would graciously enable us both to know God's law and to obey it. Or to put it into the terminology of James 1.22, we are to pray that the Lord would empower us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Again, that is James 1.22. Lastly, we are to pray that God would make us able and willing to submit to His will. In all things. And I think the language of submission here pertains to God's hidden, secret, or mysterious will. What are we to do with God's revealed will? We are to know it and we are to obey it. And here we are praying that God would enable us to do that. But what are we to do with God's hidden will? Well, what else can we do except submit ourselves to it? I think that's what the language of submission is about here. And I think this is what Peter means when he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. He is urging Christians to to take this position of humble dependence, humble submission before God, concerning His will for us in the future. Christians are to know and obey God's revealed will, and they are to humbly and patiently submit themselves to His hidden will. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know what is harder. Sometimes we really struggle to obey what God has commanded, and sometimes we really struggle to surrender ourselves to what God has decreed. Have you noticed this? I'm not sure what's harder. We are to pray for His gracious aid in both things. The catechism ends with this little remark, as the angels do in heaven. And I think that's pretty cool. In heaven, there are elect angels. 
These angels did not rebel in the beginning, nor will they ever rebel. What do they do in heaven now, these elect angels? They worship and serve God faithfully day and night. They obey Him always, and they submit themselves to His decree. And our aim is to be like them in this regard. May the Lord help us. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we pray that Your will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, teach us Your law. We need to know it. And enable us to obey it. We know that this is Your desire for us, Your will for us. Father, also give us this ability to humbly submit to Your hidden will for our lives. We know that Your will for us will involve suffering from time to time. You have told us so. And so I pray that we would suffer well in Christ Jesus, that we would be thankful even in the midst of difficulty, that our faith would grow stronger and stronger through suffering. And we know that Your hidden will for us will also involve um, good days and, and days that are marked by happiness and joy. And so help us also to rejoice in You, uh, to not forget You during the good days, but to remember You and to offer up thanks to You even then. Father, help us to, to know, obey and submit to Your will in all things, just as the angels do in heaven, so that we might bring glory to You. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.